Aside, this is episode 48. We have almost reached a full year of the podcast. Uh, with me this week, we got kind of a, well, slightly variation of our crew, but kind of the normal crew lately this week. We got uh, Mr. Scott Graham back with us. I don't want to know what kind of blowout he had at work. <laughs> it wasn't him this time. That was last week he had the blowout. This he was works like, with oh. elderly people. Blowouts are bad <laughs> with those kind of... Probably a nightly affair. Oh, Gold it's a brown. paperwork blow up this week. All right. Obviously, you heard we have our very own Rob with us this week. That is correct. And we got new Devin back with us. Hey, hey, hey. What's, what's up? I'm like, where's the crack of lacking? <laughs> no, 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 no. I got to be an individual. All right. <laughs> what's crack of lacking? <laughs> there we go. Hey, now. <laughs> hey now! <laughs> Did you wish? Let's all give Andy a shout out. Today's birthday. Is it really? Oh, happy birthday, Andy! Birthday. Hey, birthday, hey birthday, Andy now! Else. It is. I, I miss you, Andy. Birthday. I miss your deep voice, your sexy beard, your detailed rebukes, mm. <laughs> your auto rotations. The angry farmer. Um. <laughs> no, seriously, happy birthday, Andy. Uh, anybody do anything cool this week? Yeah. I'm not going first. Alright, who's going first? Mm. I turned the AC mm. on, that was cool as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, I'll pretty... go first. You go first. Alright. So I did fly this week. I flew on nice. Wednesday. And uh, had a good day full of more Nitro comedy, though. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, so it was just me. I was trying to get a few guys at the field. I think in the end there were just three of us. Um... But uh, brought the raw 700 electric and nitro with me. Uh, I tell you, man, that raw 700 electric on the SAB 721 millimeter blades is fucking amaze balls. Love that thing. But I did have an episode with it. It was one of those like overcast, hazy days where it wasn't just kind of overcast, but it was also like this haze in the air, probably from the humidity in Georgia. And man, that thing disappeared on me a couple of times. Uh, and a, a buddy of mine, Stephen Clark, was standing next to me. And he was like, dude, no word of a lie. I lost your helicopter for a solid couple seconds there. I was like, oh, yeah, me too. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's actually what lit the fire under me to change the color scheme on it, as much as I love that white raw. So uh, one of the things I did this week is a bunch of canopies and booms showed up at my house. And I flipped the rest of my SAB fleet to the orange and white uh, creamsicle scheme. Uh, since it's so easy to see. So that's all done now. So all my birds are now in uh, orange and white. Nice. Uh, and my logo as well is in similar colors. So um, that's helping my old ass eyes out. So that's good. But anyway, mainly why I went out on Wednesday was like, I'm going to fly a ton of nitro. I'm going to finally get that day 
where I start the thing and I just keep it rolling and I just fly, 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 fly. There's not a lot of plankers. The forecast wasn't, you know, great wind wise for them. So I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Except it wasn't because Nitro. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so the latest episode of Nitro was start the thing up. No problem. Get it going. It's flying fantastic right out of the gate. First flight's going great. Huge smile on my face. Having a good old time, you know, loving the smoke trail, the whole bit. And then as I pull it into a hover to kind of check the level on the fuel tank, the RPM starts going really wacky. And I'm like, what the hell? Mm. So I hit hold and land and it, it seems okay. And I go up again and it does the same thing. And I'm like, all right, something's wrong. So I, I go ahead and kill the motor and, and land it. And uh, yes, sure enough, after closer inspection, my backplate sensor has come in contact with the uh, backplate itself and mm. has stopped working so i'm like oh all right i just need to back it off a little bit so i back it off a little bit anyway turns out it's essentially burned out or vibrated out or stopped working uh, for some reason or another so that was the end of that day of nitro i have since actually set it up to throttle curves i haven't thrown flown it on throttle curves yet while i wait for a new backlight sensor to come in um but i'll probably try it on throttle curves just for a laugh uh first before i go ahead and put the new backlight sensor on so I'm going to give that a try just for just for the experience of it. And then I'll go ahead and put a new backplate sensor on it. Totally my fault. You know, it vibrated too close to the to the engine and uh, it died accordingly. So, yeah, I know everyone's going to yell at me and say you should go with a, you know, magnet on the fan. But, you know, not right now. I'm going to stick with backplate sensor for a little while. I like to learn my lessons the hard way. After the second or third time. Okay, let's do the fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I just, I don't know. It, it's. It appeals to me, the backplate sensor. It's neat and clean. It's tidy. The wires are hidden well. It's yeah. easy to remove. Um, I've got a connection point like right near the engine where I can just slap a new one in real quick. So whatever. We'll, we'll check that out. We'll see what happens. But for that one flight, it was flying amazing. So the good news is, is I had the 700 electric with me. So I just put in a bunch of flights on that and that was flying great. And I had a grand old time. What else? Oh, yeah. So... I've been talking about wanting to add a raw 580 nitro or a 50 size nitro to the fleet so that I have eventually two nitros so that when one nitro misbehaves, I can switch to the other one. I know yeah. that's not quite the Steve Yoon seven nitros or Steve's rule of bringing seven to the field guarantees one will start and fly. <laughs> um, right. But I figure two improves my odds. Uh, so I got offered a deal I could not refuse on one. Somebody who bought the kit on sale and was willing to sell it to me for a just stupid cheap price just to get it out of their house because they weren't going to build nice. it. So got that on the way. I have no plans to build it anytime soon. I have no electronics for it, no motor for it, no money for any of that stuff. So it's just going to sit as a kit for a while. But uh, eventually, we'll add a 50 size nitro to the fleet. I'd have to sell a helicopter to get some uh, more funds for electronics and stuff, but that uh, will be in the works. Um, just but that's just take the 91 in there and you're good to go. No, I don't need more power. I'm already thinking no. about like ways I can reduce the RPM on my nitro. I'm like, I need to figure out how to change the gearing on it because 1950 yeah. is a lot for me. Um, it's fun, but I want it. Right. I want it a little slower. You need to fly the ox. You'll change your mind. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. How will I change my mind? Oh, because it's a lot of fun. You can fly at nice low head speed, all the pitch in the world, and it just pulls. Right. Well, I like I like nitro with low head speed, so maybe I yeah. need to need to do that. 
Every, everybody's like, what's your head speed? Like 4,000? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, no, you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the wrong, that's the wrong McToon. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the other McToon. You know, I'm on the other yeah. end of the spectrum. I was actually surprised how good it actually flies in. Nice. It does good. And it's reliable. Yeah. There, there you go. There's your ultra low head speed nitro. It's reliable. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Ron Riccio just sent me another 91. I had one laying around. He's like, you want to use it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. I don't know what I'm going to use it in, but I do have another another uh, Nitrox. Got the one with the uh, Nova Rossi in it, but I, I can't pull that one out. That's Devin's crazy machine. Mm-hmm. These are the problems to have in life. Extra, extra, extra engines. Yes. But that's kind of it for me in the hobby this week. I'm, I'm in Salt Lake City now on business, so this week, uh, no flying probably between now and Monday. We'll see. Um, but uh, we'll definitely be getting in some flights next week for sure once I'm, uh, once I'm home. But uh, that's, it, uh, that's it for me. Who, uh, who wants to go next? Rob, I kind of jumped on you there. Why don't you go? Yeah, dude, you killed my cat. You fuck. Oh, okay, I'll go next. Nick one, Rob five hundred and twelve. <laughs> Maybe five hundred and thirteen by the end of this episode. We'll see what happens. But uh, I, I had a pretty well-rounded week. Um, I um, did some heli flying at the beginning of the week. Uh, I went camping with family at the weekend. But um, midweek, I uh, took all all the birds out and just spent half the day uh, at the park there. Uh, last, I guess it was last Wednesday. Um, just flying pack after pack, just easy, light sport stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, I actually, uh, had kind of an accomplishment. I flew almost an entire pack, probably like two thirds of a pack, just all backwards, you know, just flying around backwards, uh, trying to get used to, or getting better at flying backwards. I mean, I can like leave some maneuvers backwards and then get, you know, rotate to forwards and fly away and stuff. But I wanted to get good at like doing circuits backwards and, Flying, flying around backwards, doing loop-de-loops, and then going into it backwards, coming out backwards, and doing stall turns and all that. So that was a good time. Um, and pretty basic, I guess, but I still had a lot of fun, you know? And then this weekend, we went out uh, camping for three days, um, me and my kids and my mother and my brother and his kids. Uh, it was my mom's birthday today, actually, but she loves camping, so we went camping on the weekend uh, so she could celebrate that. And it, it was a good rustic old time out there. Uh, me and my Jeep got to be the mule for everybody, carrying all the stuff and the, the camper, you know, I, I like doing that kind of shit. So it was perfect for me, you know, but yeah, everybody had a good time. Uh, and then the day we got back, everybody's all spent. I didn't even take a shower yet. I unloaded the camper uh, and my kids scattered. They wanted to go hang out with friends after being gone for three days. And so I had the house to myself. I'm like, shit, I'm gonna go fly again. So I uh, took a quick shower. Uh, um, Got my bird, went and flew four packs on the Goblin, and then, uh, well, I flew it almost to dark, really. I had to turn the headlights on on my Jeep, and but it was still a good time. So I probably got, like, 20 flights altogether this week. Just more practice, I suppose. I didn't really do much of a simming at all, I guess. Um, work was really kind of busy, so I didn't get a chance to do any, like, break time simming. And I was busy doing other shit, you know, during the week. So I uh, haven't had any digital practice, but I had a shitload of, like, in real life, the IRL practice. So, good time. Kept the thumbs warm all week, mostly. So, uh, kind of short, kind of sweet, but um, that's what. Oh, yeah. Also, it was my daughter's birthday on Sunday, and she was a little put out. Not really put out, but she was 
at the tail end of camping on her birthday, so we celebrated her birthday today and then cake and pizza and shit like that for her. And, um, so tomorrow, um, I, myself and a couple other folks, we've got the money, we put it together because she wants to get an electric guitar. So tomorrow I'm going to take her down to the music store and we're going to have the guys help us pick out a nice electric guitar and an amp and some, uh, you know, some power, some patch cords and stuff like that. And I got my mixing board downstairs. Uh, I can hook up. I've got a bass down there I can hook up. And so now we can jam. So that's nice. pretty rad. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. She just turned 15 and she's like, yeah, dude, I, she's, uh, she got a Nirvana box set for uh, her birthday too. And she's totally into like the alternative rock and the old like nine like nine inch nails and some of some of the other like deep cut shit. Dude, dude, she likes all that stuff. And I'm like, that's the baller. So that's yes, awesome. you can Yeah, hell yeah, dude. So we're gonna go find her a badass guitar. The last time we were there, she was looking at this one that's like straight out of like an old poison music video with the weird like with the long tail <laughs> on the side and shit like that. I'm like, well, we'll see. But uh, I'm going to make sure the guy keeps us honest. You know, we don't end up buying her a guitar that's like way above her pay grade. You know what I'm saying? But uh, get something, she'll have fun, Jim. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, like, uh, maybe like uh, one third heli, two thirds like heavy family fun. So, right on. That's good balance. Week. Yeah, man. All right. Scott McToon, who's up? Give it the tune. For the tune. <laughs> oh, where do I start? You're going to be so disappointed. Uh, Are we? Oh, I flew all weekend. (laughs) Nice. Not quite all weekend, but it was very close. I made the decision to go fly all weekend, but then I kind of changed my mind a little bit on Sunday. It was uh, was getting to be a little bit too much. I got too much stuff to do around the house to get ready, you know, for Urcha. That's how I think about it. (laughs) I'm getting ready. (laughs) I'm getting ready up in Tunney. I'm getting ready for Urcha. (laughs) Oops. I got to prepare. Uh, yeah right when uh when devin left to go work i decided to take the trailer and put it down at ocean modelers and i did that for a couple of reasons one so i could go flying on friday nights after work and not have to drive home you know friday night i could come home saturday and we're taking some trees down in the uh in the yard so i i I wanted it out of here i didn't want anything falling on it (laughs) that would suck but i went down friday about four o'clock got there about six and we had plans for all the guys coming over night flying we were going to put up the led lights just hang out have a good time and nobody showed up but no no (laughs) crickets oh so i just i just i flew till it got dark i didn't feel like putting the leds up and it was just about dark when i when i quit i could almost not see it i just about buried the oxy too a couple of times because I had no idea which way it was going. That um, little guy, man, yeah. <laughs> but I just kind of let the sticks go and it, it it flew its way out of it. It was okay. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, damn. So, and cooked some dinner and put a movie in and sat and watched a movie for a couple hours, got a good night's sleep, and then uh, woke up Saturday morning to must have been. 40 people at the field. <laughs> I, come out of the, I, I come out of the camper. I'm like, damn, was Denny's open? <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, everybody's there. It turns out that there was a meeting. So that, well, that's oh. why everybody was there. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I, I, I forgot about it. So they did their thing. And, and then we flew. We flew till, oh man, about 
12, 1230 or so. And then I jumped on a lawnmower and cut the field. First time using a zero turn mower, like a mm. professional one that does, that does like 20 miles an hour. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. this is great. Just <laughs> <laughs> tooling around. So I, Dude, I tried those things cut- are badass. Oh, man. I was like, Jimmy uh, Tate was there, and um, I think Todd Marlin was there, a couple other guys. And I was like, listen, if you guys want to fly while I'm cutting, I'm cutting the far end now, so go ahead and fly. And then uh, after I said that, I thought, that would be such a good idea. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I yelled over to him. I was like, give me like 20 minutes, I'll be done. And they're like, yeah, all right, we're just going to hang. We flew, uh, we flew, man a lot of flights there we must have put collectively between all of us i bet we put 100 flights on helis that day there was just a bunch of guys there and it was just flight after flight after flight after flight even with the two-hour break we took for cutting the lawn it just kept going like the energizer bunny i was like man just don't stop um (laughs) no heli crashes everything lived good couple of good airplane crashes but no heli crashes um i flew the jet flew that oh fun three or four times i um i lost the servo on the rudder so it's a twin boom jet so it's got two rudders right mm-hmm. and the guys yeah. are like oh the guys are like oh that sucks you got to go home i was like nah. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know, know my what? nickname yeah yeah so i fueled it up well it actually was even better than that the flight before i realized that one of the rudder servos wasn't working um i'm flying around just doing my thing, just tooling around a little upside down, some rolling circles, smoke on, smoke off, all this stuff. And I come down on a downwind, and it wasn't an approach. I was up pretty high, and all I heard was, and I was like, uh-oh, uh-huh. turbine just shut off. I'm like, yeah. ah! No, no. <laughs> right? And I was like, okay. And we there were two um, airplanes that had already went in, one electric ducted fan. I was like, wow, look at that. It quit. So I dropped the gear, put all the flaps out, put some crow in it on the ailerons, and just headed for the runway. And it was the freaking best landing I've done in years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, it was like butter, man. Touched down right in front of myself. Didn't have to use the brakes, nothing. I stopped and I looked at him. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, I love when it's like a busy day at the field and the plankers are like f- landing everywhere but the runway. And then the heli guy comes in with a plank he brought with him and lands straight down the center line. Yeah, and then we just yeah, smile yeah. and beam over to our right. It's good fun. Oh, it was, it was great. It was, it was, it was crazy. So, so the rudder That's servo, awesome. the rudder servo thing, it'll, uh, from the air going by it, it'll basically pin the rudder straight. And the, the other one was fine. So, I wanted to get a couple more flights in. Yeah, just a little yeah. bit looser. Tail, Honestly, kind of. if I hadn't noticed it, I I wouldn't have been able to tell you anything was wrong. It did not feel any different. It did all the same maneuvers. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting 14 minute flights on it. Nice long flights. Um, it was it was really good, and we flew till, and we flew till seven o'clock Saturday night. Damn. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was it was a long. Long two days, and then uh, cleaned up, hitched a trailer up, and dragged it home. I got to, uh, I got to get it ready for Urcha. I fixed, uh, what did I fix tonight? Oh, I fixed the fridge tonight. The uh, the board, the control board went bad on it, so it wouldn't run on propane. So I got that fixed. 
started loading it. Um, it was busy, busy four days, man. Oof, but a good busy. Two of them spent just doing nothing but flying. All right, yeah, and I didn't bring. Uh, I didn't bring any of Devin's stuff. It's getting too close to Urcha for an oops. So, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll break my own shit. I'll leave that home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I didn't forget my charger. So that was nice, good. You got Plus, the right case this time. That was good. Yeah. So I had, a, had good dinner. Had a good breakfast, and it was a lot of fun. There were. And there must have been 50 people at the field Saturday morning. And out of 50 people, there were 10 heli guys flying and probably two airplane guys. Everybody else yep. was everybody else was just sitting around. They put their planes together and put them out in the pits and then just, you know, just sat there. So at noon is when I got the mower out and I figured I could clear this place out by starting to cut the grass. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have the blades engaged yet and it was a mass exodus. It was like, where's every, <laughs> where's everybody going? They're like, "Well, we can't fly because you're cutting the grass." I was like, well, "You weren't flying anyway." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the extra space. Yeah. So they uh they all left except for Todd, Jimmy, and myself in the afternoon and then uh, a couple other guys came down, did some more heli and airplane flying and it was good it was a really great great weekend so and it was nice, nice. That it sounds awesome it wasn't rainy it wasn't terribly hot it was it was good it was really good now i got a ton of work to do i got a boatload of work to do at home and i got to get everything ready on the trailer it'll be fun talk to yeah. devin i talked to devin for about an hour last night all right on how's he doing yeah he's doing good he's working his ass off man he's doing 80 hours a week damn um yeah, yeah. which is which is quite a bit and then uh they basically come home, grab something to eat, you know, shower and go to bed. Sunday, he's doing laundry and, and some food shopping. And then Saturday night, uh, I guess all the kids are back. Um, what's the what's the university out there? Purdue? I think it is. Out by Peoria? Sounds I right. Per, I think it's Purdue. Um, so he's been hanging out at the bars on Saturday nights. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Hey, do it while you can. Yeah. Yep. That's the he's age. Got, he's, he's got me on the phone last night till almost eleven o'clock, and I'm like falling asleep. I'm like, I gotta go to bed, man. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be up at five. I'm like, uh, let me let me get some sleep. He goes, Oh no, don't worry about it. You can do it. I'm like, Yeah. I know. <laughs> so that was it, man. That was my weekend. It was good. Been doing a lot that of flying. Awesome. Man. Yeah, man. I'm a lot yeah. jealous of the amount you've of flying you've been able to get in lately. The last like four weeks have just been every weekend and then sunday bill anthony called he goes hey we're going flying i'm like yeah all right i'll load my stuff up and i got like half my stuff loaded up i'm like what am i an asshole three days i was like i got i can't i got too much shit to do right yeah so i, I changed my mind and stayed home and got some stuff done so what else what yeah else? oh, Every oh now you know gotta we, do it and today we picked up a car for my daughter no order a 2016 mazda 3 she turns 17 in two months so she's uh she's out driving now with my wife uh they uh, they went over a couple of her girlfriend's house to go hey look what i got yeah that's cool <laughs> i bet she's digging that yeah a nice freaking car I was like, yeah those are nice cars yeah so i i didn't see it before they uh bought it i went up today and just took a quick look at it before they signed all the papers and and I took it for a ride, and it was nice, really nice driving car. Man, if I could, if I got that when I was seventeen, Jesus, 
That would be perfect. I got yeah. a I got a junker that had like two and a half wheels. Yeah. I bought like the cheapest Ford Escort that $800 could buy and it was terrible. Exactly. exactly. Mine was a Ford Maverick. Ooh. And yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, it was bad. It was really bad. I drove it for about six months and I was like, I'm going to die in this car. Let me get rid of it. <laughs> All right. On that, that note, Scott, what was your first car when you were a kid and uh, what have you been up to? It was a 1986 Audi Coupe GT. So it looks just like Ooh. the Audi Quattro fancy. Rally car. Yep. But oh, uh, yeah. two wheel drive. Oh, you fancy. Uh, yeah, right. I paid a thousand bucks for it. And I, uh, over the period of a year, dumped about eight grand into it. Had it all decked out, but it was a heap when I bought it. But I restored the whole thing. That's, That's well, pretty nice. nice. As That's much cool, as man. a you know, kid working at Best Buy could restore it. But yeah, yeah I love that thing. Yeah. Uh yeah, and I haven't done anything helicopter related, and I probably won't fly for the rest of the year. I'm gonna take what? a massive no fly for the rest ah. of the year. Yeah, I don't know. I just so I exploded yeah, two seven hundred this year, which that yeah, sucks. but that doesn't count when they're not yours. Uh, no, that's the problem. Like I exploded <laughs> two mine back to back, <laughs> and then I exploded two other people's helicopters, seven hundreds, back to back at two events. Yeah, I'm just right. like fuck this. I'm taking a break. Like not like a, a. I'm still going to events and shit, but god damn it, I'm done flying for a little bit. I'm gonna go sim just, for a while. Hey, wait. I don't know what the uh, deal is. Hold on. Pause. Pause. Let me edit that sentence. I'm done flying. Edit other people's helis for the rest of the year. <laughs> Yeah, no, so I went from, like, the only person's heli I ever crashed was Eric's shoes, and if you know me and Eric, we're, like, peas and carrots, yeah. like, uh, Forrest and Jenny, and there is no hard feelings. It goes in, we fix it, it's not the end of the world, he is yeah. not upset whatsoever. But when I start crashing people's helis and I don't know them that well, like, I don't like that feeling at all. No. One of the worst feelings, and when I smashed Chris's uh, Protos, like within milliseconds of taking off, I was like, "Yep, I'm done." Oh, that was that backwards tick. <laughs> that was that backwards TikTok thing, right? Yeah, I was just yeah. popped it up to yep. take off, like I do a million fucking times, and I just roasted his into the ground. I was like, "Wow, I'm a fucking asshole." I felt so <laughs> bad. I just spent like half a day getting his helicopter working like perfect. Um, what Liberty resoldered everything, got it working good. The previous flight, it was like throwing sparks out of it and shit and melting stuff. Damn. And then, like, as soon as it's dialed, I roasted in. I'm like, God damn it, I'm an idiot. So I don't know. I just it didn't go down so well. So I kind of bored too. I don't know why. I just I want something different. So I sold. I sold like my V control too, and I want to see what comes out. I'm really curious with that whole spirit thing. Um, I've heard good things about JR, but I can't get over how ugly the radio is. If they make a black one, maybe, I don't know. And I want to see what the interface looks like, but kind of holding out to see what, what's what. If those other two options suck, then I'll buy an Evo touch. Um, but yeah, I sold my beloved aluminum radio. Mm. I'm with you on the JR radios not being super pretty. Yeah, and I don't like the interface. Like, I saw pictures of the user interface with the dials and stuff. I don't know. I just... I'm not brand bashing. I mean, it probably works great. It's just not my flavor for design. It doesn't look the way I like things to look. Well, the so. truth is, is that it's just an app. So whatever they design as the fly barless interface could look totally different. So 
Oh, who knows? Nobody. I don't think it's apps? even designed yet. So, huh. yeah. But we'll see. So what I'm actually trying to do is work a deal to uh, trade someone a logo 700 airframe. I have that green logo, and I want to trade them for a Spectrum DX9 Black Edition because mm. it's such a pretty radio. And I'm gonna dick around with some foamies for a bit because you know what? If I fly a foamy airplane and I roast that thing into the ground at 120 miles an hour and it's gone, <laughs> I'm out of pocket 200 bucks. It's still cheaper <laughs> than crashing a helicopter. So I need this to like true. lay low on crash costs for the rest of the year because it's it's absurd at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully yeah. that'll be relaxing and fun. I want to get like a night. Would you? Uh... What'd you end up doing with Protoss? Did you fix that for him? Um, I gave him two sets of blades uh, and a nasty deal on a full set of electronics, like okay. cool. 10% cost or something ridiculous. Like, Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I paid for the crash with how much money I lost on selling him some new stuff. So, Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the right thing to do. Yeah, I just yeah. felt terrible about it. But at least on that one, I mean, some of the other crashes have been like, you know, I want to say exciting, you know, but this one was like, you took off and it was like, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> it was like, it, if you didn't know any better, it looked intentional. No, I, I didn't. I didn't think that. I was just like, I yeah, I didn't like, think that. Wow. Yeah, I just I mean, mean like if you didn't know helicopters, like I showed it to some coworkers, and he's like, "They're like, why did you do that to his helicopter?" I'm like, <laughs> "I didn't do it to it." <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chris Diamante's got a new uh, a new time frame to to strive for. <laughs> yeah, it was, was thirty thirty second guy. Now it's like one third that. Yeah, that wasn't even like five seconds. That didn't even spool no. up yet. <laughs> no. Scott's down in the five Mississippi club. God, I tell yeah. you what, though, you had a good setup. I could tell because the tail held perfect right to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. So it up. did not move. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was flying good too. That's why I was yeah. pissed when I did it. I was like, "Fuck." Yeah. I think just I don't know. I talked to a bunch of people about it. I'm like, you know what? I just reverted back to like my own helicopter muscle memory, I'm like an idiot. And I did what I do with my heli, and it's not my rates, it's not my heli, it's not my pitch. So yeah, it's gonna do things different. So don't do it at eye level, dumbass. Hey, hey, hey what do you do, man? Don't beat yourself up over it too bad. Maybe yeah, you just yeah. went through this phase where you were just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, your energy was just, you were just on it a little too hard, man. That happens. It happens in all all kinds of sports and hobbies and yeah. everywhere. Doesn't mean you have to walk away cold. I mean, well, take I'm a not break. like walking yeah. away. I'm just like let's let's do a reboot because like all my shit was yeah. destroyed anyway, and I just had like parts and stuff and a radio, and I was like, you know what? Let's just clean slate it. And I <laughs> want to do some little helis or something. I want to find the joy again. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Like, there you go. So Honestly, you're doing the Dan sweep on the desk, just sweeping everything off. And the, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The Dan one arm shove. All right. Yep. Let's see what we want to do. And when that, uh, so when that happened, the only thing I Last could time think I did of. Futaba when I wanted to do this and learned that, and it was cool. But, you know, obviously I missed the ease of Mikado. So um, I kind of really want to try and do the whole. Um, what do you call it? The open TX thing with that, you know. Do it. Yeah. With that rotor flight. Yeah. And give it a shot. Because I was going to do that last time. Then I just caved in and bought V-Bar again. So. I could send you one of my X-10s with uh, open on it. Works great. 
I I have uh, Radio Master, whatever that is. Same same thing. Same TX sixteen. Yeah. 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 Same thing. You're gonna run uh, Open TX on it. Um, edge whatever TX. the newer one was. Is it, is it Edge T Edge TX? Edge yeah. TX. There you go. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm but not we'll, running. We'll I'm still flying a couple of the X10s, but I've been flying uh, an 18 with Ethos on it. Nice. Yeah, I want to try and get a Gooski, I think, and do that. Something like I can just plow and laugh at, you know? <laughs> that <laughs> right. Gooski flies good. Yeah, they really do. I want to get that, or the, maybe the RS4, whatever it's called, the Venom. Give yep. that a whirl, but... Yeah, that'd be better, man. So then when you tank the S2, you Scott Graham that shit into the ground, you just throw some lunch money at it and go back at it. Exactly. And I, I think I need that. I need some cheap fun. Because um, I, I, for the past like three or four years, I've only been flying 700s. And it just, it adds up. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, so. and we all have those moments where we got to take a step back and, you know, I don't know what yeah. the word is. It's not chill or whatever. But yeah, you just got to find the love for it again. Yeah, and I, I think I want to try scale too, like just mellow nice. scale. Like I want, I've always wanted an airwolf since I was a kid, and this probably lends itself perfectly to being frustrated with crashing. Um, if I, you know, build a nice, cool airwolf, like six hundred, seven hundred size, like that's not going to crash as often as a three D helicopter, and it's still a heli, and it's still cool, and I can say I tried it. And it's one of those things, yeah. again, I, I love this whole like curiosity, exploring new things and, and that aspect, because as far as like 3D helis, I've played with most airframes now, I've played with most motors, most ESCs, most fly barless systems, like the, the whole curiosity of setup and building is kind of gone, but yeah, yeah. I've never done scale, which might be a whole other world of, you know, this is interesting. Let me learn something I don't know. And that's yeah, really what sure. my passion is. Fresh input for sure, man. You yeah. get see there you go. You got to get Airwolf, and then you got to do it like the Europeans and put rockets on that sucker, dude. So you can oh, off like four of them. Dude. Yeah, felony within the first pack. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, but like, I want like to make you some nice firecracker style rockets. Oh yeah, yeah. I want a full oh, yeah. interior Airwolf with like retracts and gun pods that come out, and that yeah. that would be so cool to like do myself. LED dash and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, would be, what would be really cool about you doing that? You could actually fly it. Because most of the guys that build build those scale helis, they build killer helis. And then you watch them fly and you're like, what? (laughs) You're like half ducking, like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's like, I I mean, not all, not all of them, but, you know, a lot of them you see, it's like, you got to get some, like, flight training or something because they're all over. Yeah. It does a disservice to it because it doesn't fly like scale and nice and smooth and stuff, or yeah, it just kind of yeah. hovers and puts about where it doesn't do like really cool, aggressive, you know, combo tail and aileron turning where it kind of sweeps around and really banks yeah. in and digs in. That That's cool shit. I love it. It is yeah. funny. And I want to talk about this when we, when we get uh, somebody on to talk about scale helicopters uh, in the not too distant future, but like, they're kind of old school in their tech too. Like it's all Bavarian Demon FBLs and Castle ESCs, and uh, no, it doesn't need I wonder to be what's. It. Yeah, I know it doesn't need to be top of the line, but like, I just wonder what you know something with more modern electronics might do. Yeah, or what a three D pilot can do with one. Like, will you know? Are we just talking out our ass, and the things are so much heavier, they're just harder to fly, and these guys are doing pretty well, or are they? Are we going <laughs> to be able to fly much better? I've flown one before. They fly okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I flew a Nitro Huey before. Buds, Buds Traders. Buds, yeah. 
Yeah, and then at one event, he decided to put the blades on backwards and... I remember that. Juice it. <laughs> Scared the shit that out of me. That was weird. Yeah, <laughs> thing shook itself to death. I was like, oh my god, dude. That was the start of people trying to get me to blow up their helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> the inadvertent sabotage and yeah. that breaks the seal. Yep. That was oh, it. Man. That started everything. Thanks, bud. <laughs> scale big fat scale like like 90 class or like because they make them bigger than that. yeah yeah no, so i want to me personally i want a 700 electric um but the one that i almost crashed was like a 90 size nitro yeah i gotta get going on my scale project again the problem is is the nitro feels like every week there's something new to fix or replace or something it's wow. taking up all my wrenching time that's the love of it that's that's, <laughs> that's why it's so i'm gonna have to like bench the nitro to get the scale bird done you know, it's I nice too because if you do, you, um, like... if you do, oh, this is calling me. Devin, you want me to get him on the phone? No shit. <laughs> yeah, do put it. the phone up to him, like, tell him, listen, asshole, it's Monday night. <laughs> hey, wow, fuck tar- hey, fuck Tart, it's Monday night. I'm recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> get to put on damn podcast. Oh, yeah. You're on the podcast. You're on the podcast. You're up against the uh, uh, mic. Oh, shoot. <laughs> can, you guys, can you guys hear him? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Cool. All right, I only have one thing to say, though. Go. Only, only one thing to say. Fuck Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's terrible. laughs> you fuck you. You fuck you. Oh, man. All right. Well, everybody out there in podcast land, you can all hear that Devin still does exist. <laughs> yes. He sounds like he's in a Mexican prison. Yeah, it does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I Are you still in the States yeah. there? Are you still in the States? You sure you're not, like, you know, you're in Iraq or something? <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're 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 itching to get you back on the podcast so when you come back we'll both do one you should get that right. checked out right. cool all right well go do your thing man give me a sh- give me a shout during the week say goodbye he said goodbye if you could hear him no <laughs> goodbye oh, misses you, Devin. This kid? always interrupting my week i know right, all right man. I'll, I'll see you later dude all right bye <laughs> oh that's too funny i'm like I, I see my phone ringing it's monday night dude what the hell are you doing <laughs> that's funny oh man that's good oh that's too funny <laughs> oh man where were we anyway uh, that, that, yeah that yeah, was that, that's everything Helly related i've done um or plan to do and where i'm at everything else has been just other so you're not gonna life. hit you're not going to urcha Right? No, I never go to Archer. Okay, you you going to Heli X? Yeah, I'll be there. Okay, all right, cool. cool. Yeah, I don't know. I was borderline on Archer. I went like on a Monday one year just to check it out to say I've been flew a Heli at center stage when there was no one there. That's that year that uh, the Nitro came out. The uh, when Luca showed up. Oh yeah! Um, oh my God, that's a while ago. Jeez. Oh yeah, it was like two nineteen, two eighteen, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and then I always kind of wanted to go and then all that bullshit erupted with Urcha and everything. And ever since then, I was been like, you know, I don't know. I think I'm good. I'm just going to do other events. I've, I've camped there every year with the trailer and never really had to pay like a whole lot of money. You know, yeah. if we were, if we were completely dry camping, it was like $5 a day. And, uh, yeah, I got hit with a bill for 260 bucks this round. <gasps> Urcha? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just just for camping with the trailer. Damn, I guess someone mm-hmm. needs more something there. I don't like, know. Yeah. Is that connecting yeah. to water and drain and stuff? No drain, just water and electric. Huh. Well, dude, for that price, it better come with a butler. Uh, better be better than that. 
A radio <laughs> on <man. Yeah>. so. <laughs> Additional services required. Exactly. Yeah. Extra pillow, I, please. I, I might get there and just be like, nah, I don't need your electric water. Yeah, that's wild. Okay. But yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. It just doesn't sit well with me, and I don't really feel like dealing with it. So, F it. I'm going to go to other events. There you go. Plus, they could plant a tree on the back of the flight line or something, so they're shooting shade. Shit. <laughs> there you go. I'll bring the, uh, I'll bring the scale heli to uh, Heli X. That'd, that'd be cool. Oh, oh please nice. do. Yeah, it's a Bell, two, Bell 222 with uh, a robo uh, flybard mechanics in it. I love that. Oh, it flies incredible. Cool. That's the one that Dan. That's the one that Dan's going to come here and steal one of these nights. Yeah. I want to steal it one day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one that of my favorite helicopters. It's the same heli almost as um, what do you call it? Airwolf. It, cool. it, yeah. it, it, it is. Mm-hmm. It just it has the pods and retracts. It just doesn't have the guns, and it's different. Yeah, paint. or the uh, turbine yeah. pumps. Yep. But you take you take it up and you get it about eye level, and you got all the lights on. It's got all position lights on it, markers yeah, and, and strobes. And when you're flying it at dusk. And then you just suck the gear up and everything. It's just like, oh, it's so cool. Is it like the medevac scheme? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, like a corporate red, white, and blue type thing. Yeah, oh, like Trump coming out of the, the show Dallas from back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You're exactly. going to send me pictures. It's a Santini Air red, white, and blue. Yeah, no, no, not that. It's it's kind of, I don't know. I gotta, I'll, I'll get you pictures of it. It's All like right. totally 70s looking. Yeah. Um, no, not really. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's just a cool like you know you know how they do the boring paint job it's not like uh stars and stripes like santini or or mm-hmm. the black and white like the whale for airwolf really it's just kind of striped up the side and then down i mean it's cool looking but it's pretty basic yeah, yeah let's just stick with cool it's neat yeah. i get dude i get six minute flights out of that out of two what am i flying it at I'm flying two 6S 1800 packs. The ones, wow. uh, the ones, the ones that I use in the um, uh, in the Oxy Four. That's so wild. So they're 6S 1800s, and they're uh, what, what would they be? They're series. So for 6S, so it's, mm-hmm, it's yeah. technically it's a 6S 3600 pack, and it will well, fly. It'll fly for like six six and a half minutes. That's parallel, homie. Is it parallel? Parallel, whatever. Yeah, parallel. So yeah, okay. There you go. Parallel. Yeah. Saddleback. Series, ba- saddle series, series, series would double it. So, you know, thank yeah. God I don't work on generators for a living, huh? <laughs> thank God you don't fly electric helis <laughs> for a living. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love it. So. Whatever it does, it still makes success. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just nonsense. Just nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll bring oh, I'll bring that. You fly that around. So sweet, man. <laughs> hey, wait, whoa, whoa, no. <laughs> you just got no, done talking okay, about I'll that. Touch that. I'm not flying anyone else's helicopter. I'll look at it and no, drool on it. You can look at it. So thanks. I ain't flying shit. Hey, you can just fly it, and McToon can stand behind you and reach around and hold your fingers just to make sure you put them in the right spot. You gotta cuddle me and hold my hips when I fly. I just no. bank left, <laughs> bank right. No. <laughs> no i'll 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 have uh high voltage connections to your to each cheek of your ass like, All right, go, go ahead Whoa, screw yeah. around with this thing i don't know <laughs> you're into that will those be in series or parallel will in, <laughs> that, will, that will definitely be in series yeah. <laughs> uh, love it. Ugh, talk about a brownout no oh, 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 no oh, man 
Uh, if I get the voltage just right, it's really going to hurt. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to oh. laugh at that. I'm just going to amp you up. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, no. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't wow. know. I think we're out of electricity right puns. Maybe we yeah. uh, should do some news. News? Yeah, give us the current events. Mm, the news. All right, we're was that jump. the awkward pause? <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it well, you was. never know with Rob. Like this weird sound can come out after a pause, so you kind of just let him go, and then we you you chop it, it out. And you the gotta end. let it soak mm. for just a minute. <laughs> All right, let's get off with some expert servos. Some more information about those KD twos that are coming out from Expert. Uh, we talked about them in weeks prior. Uh, they're going to be released soon in a combo set that will include. Uh, three cyclic servos and a tail servo. Uh, this combo kit will also include aluminum servo horns. Uh, no pricing on the combo yet, although we expect to hear it soon. And they also mentioned in the post, interestingly, that the servos are, quote, program card ready. So I reached out and I asked, well, what can we program? The center point? Will the program card work with earlier expert servos in the same way that, say, the Torque programmer worked with earlier Torque servos? And I uh, haven't heard back from Expert yet as of record time, so we'll see. But it's intriguing, and I sincerely hope that uh, they're the first servo with a programmable center point and a removable servo leap. But uh, time will tell. Don't know. That'd be neat, though. Yeah, sure it would be. They're awfully pretty. They're all gold and flashy. All right, in Raw 500 news, uh, as we talked about last week, Exnova has now released a 4020-900 kV motor for the Raw 500, and Scorpion has now joined the mix with a 4020-850 kV. So I wondered what else anybody else was going to release, so I reached out to Vincent over at EgoDrift today, and I had a lovely long chat with him about whether or not EgoDrift will release a motor specific to the Raw 500. The conversation basically boiled down to the EgoDrift is taking a wait-and-see approach. It's a fact that their 4025s are similar in weight to other manufacturers' 4020s. So they plan to leverage the team pilots, get some raw 500s in hands, do a little bit of experimentation, rather than kind of blindly follow the initial specifications. So stay tuned for more from them uh, on that in the future. All right, time to talk about Urcha, which is coming soon. So we're going to cover a bunch of details here that have uh, at last been released. So pre-registration for Urcha Jamboree is now open, um, but before we get too much into that, let's review some dates here as there's been kind of a lot of confusion around the dates for Nats, Urcha, and Worlds. And I know that we've announced some dates on the podcast earlier days based on information available at the time that I think are actually different than what I'm about to announce. But here's the final, finally figured out new plan. So 2023 Nats are up first. Those will be from July 30th through August 3rd. Those will be at Site 4. That'll be followed by the 2023 F3C and F3N World Championship competitions. Those will be August 4th through August 9th with F3C on Site 5 and F3N on Site 3. And then the Jamboree itself, the Funfly portion, will be August 9th through August 13th on Site 4. All right, so those are the dates, dates out of the way. Let's talk about some events going on at Urcha. So, 
The RC Helicopter Speed Cup will be Thursday, August 10th on Site 3, which made me wonder when I see this, I suspect that maybe there's no Speed Helicopter Nats going on, and that's why Urch is adding a speed event. Anybody hear anything about that? Crickets, that's a no. No, <laughs> and then, no I uh, haven't heard about that. Yeah, I, usually, you know, I know Shaggy has uh, has run kind of the speed competition for the last couple of years, I believe. So, uh, but it sounds like Urch is going to handle the speed event, um, doing it on August tenth, as I said. Uh, Battle of the Brands will be Saturday evening as usual. King of the Midnight Sun, the night flying competition, will be Saturday night as well. So, those are the sort of more formal events at Urcha. Some of the less formal events they're working on doing. Uh, they're planning on some RC helicopter drag races on center stage. Uh, time and date for that uh, to be determined. They're going to do best nitro, best electric, and best micro helicopter. So bring your Goose Guy S2s out or whatever micro mini you got for those Logo 200s, OMPs, whatever. That could That'd be, be a fun, fun little drag race to watch. It's exactly. Meow. Except it goes flying on the other end and then you completely lose sight of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which will be good comedy. Uh, they're also going to do an auto rotation contest, including close to the pin and an aerobatic auto contest. Time and date on that. Also TBD. Uh, there's some other competitions they're talking about doing as well. Uh, terminal velocity tail slide competition, best overspeed, uh, a water gallon bombing competition bringing back from the past. Apparently we pick up a gallon jug of water, go up 200 feet and drop it. Uh, oh, I'm trying to, I don't know if they provide a sled that does that or how that works, but anyway, um, that sounds they're talking about, fun, though. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a good laugh, I'm sure. Uh, the night flying will be available every evening under the lights for all pilots, and the field is also open for night flying if you've got a night flying rig as well. So, cost: uh, early bird registration is a hundred bucks. Uh, closer to the event, the price will go up to one hundred and twenty-five dollars, and you can take care of pre-registering at urcha.org/register. Okay. Now for my favorite, making fun of things. <clears throat> so while we're talking about Urcha, I want to point out some hilarity I saw online today. So Urcha has, uh, is one of the things they've been trying to improve. Uh, they wanted to get their act together as far as sending out membership cards go. And they've finally been sending them out to folks again. But what's hilarious to me is that folks who applied just about a year ago, uh, <laughs> and this includes one gentleman who basically got his card five days before the expiration date on the card. Now, obviously, he still had a year of whatever benefits come with that card if any but right. it's kind of hilarious to finally receive your printed card that's only valid for five days <laughs> come on now you got to get that shit moving <laughs> exactly right yeah. that's a little funny all right tron news uh tron has announced a combo kit for their lightweight 700 dynamic that will include kst servos a hobbywing esc uh what's essentially a tron motor it's probably an Exnova motor rebranded based on the uh owners of uh, Tron and their relationship to Exnova, and uh, Rotortech Blades. No pricing or further info yet. And, you know, I'm kind of curious about this. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, guys. So to each their own, and I get that when Align does a combo kit, it includes an Align rebranded ESC and Align motor, Align servos, etc. But how do we feel about a manufacturer doing it with kind of a hodgepodge of electronics? Is this necessary? Should we just sell the kits and let folks pick their own electronics? Am I missing out here? Is this something that like folks struggle to pick and would take advantage of something here? I don't know. I guess until we hear the price, we don't know if it's a bargain or not. Yeah, what are your yeah, thoughts? I think a new that's person? 
it's good because as a new person, you don't yeah. know what servos to pick. You don't know what torque you need, what speed you need. You don't know what ones are like the correct voltage because you like you have no idea. You don't know what a high voltage servo is based on a normal one. You don't know what ESC to run. You don't know what motor size to run. So like someone new getting into a new class they've never used before or like less than a year in the hobby and they just don't know what to buy. It's awesome. It's like if I buy this, it will fly yeah um but for newer people i mean older people that have you know and they've got their servos they like they've got their motors they like i don't think it works out too well and it's really shitty for the current you know state of affairs where you know you can't throw a rock at a fun fly without hitting 14 sponsored people um they all have to fly (laughs) some brand of shit because they get stuff cheap you know so i don't know if that part works yeah i guess what I'm curious about, though, is, all right, so you buy, let's take the beginner angle, right? Which, that makes a lot of sense to me. But if you buy this kit from Tron, are they responsible in teaching you how to use the components together? Like, what BEC voltage you should set, how you program your ESC, how you make these components work together at that point? I think no more than you would see in your average, like, instruction manual, you know, like, you know, set BEC to three volts and move this. It'll give you a basic stick programming. I think it'd be a some page in the manual versus like a separate manual. You know, like does a line tell you? I don't think they do. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've never I, bought I, one. Dude, of those I think they classes. do. Well, okay. So I downloaded a whole bunch of manuals when I got these uh, helis from Dan, and in doing so, I remember coming across a line manuals where just scanning all the way through them, it went from build to electronics, including where to, obviously all of them tell you where to put the servos, but it had info about uh, programming the speed controller and oh, your wow. initial flights and all that stuff. You know, uh, there was one that had a three GX area from way back <laughs> when, you know, remember those things? Um, yeah. so I feel like it, it's, it's a thing that people have been doing. So I think it, to, for somebody to do it now is par for the course and for it to be a mixed bag of brands. Right. I mean, let's face it. It's basically kind of how it's always been, right? Some brand is making somebody else's branded motor, right? So with the exception of a few, I think I, a line probably does, do they spin their own motors? They, I think they do. They make their own yeah. right in house. Yeah. Um, but some, a lot of other brands like, um, uh, Gowie, for instance, right. All their motors, they just partnered with Scorpion and Scorpion made them all, you know, they just decided to do that instead for their kits. Um, I know my first, very first helicopter that I built, uh, it was a little HDX 300 and, um, because like we were talking about, because I just didn't know. I, I hooked everything up, but the motor that I got, or no, it was the uh, speed controller that I got. Uh, it it didn't, uh, it, I didn't understand that I needed a six cell speed controller. I just got one that looked like it had enough amps on it or so. I don't remember exactly how it worked, but the point is I ended up with the wrong shit. And as soon as I plugged it in, all the magic smoke came out and I'm like, oh, okay. And I had to start over again. And so if I could have bought one then, um, if I had it, at the, okay, at my circumstance, I, I didn't have the cash, so I didn't even look at the combos, right? But had I had the cash for it and just waited like a, you should wait, you know, I would have just bought a combo and it would have had all the stuff, all the right stuff, you know. The ends would have been soldered already for the motor and speed controller and the, the um, heck, the speed, the speed control might even have a battery end on it or something, you know what I mean? So I think it's a buy. I think it's good. I don't know. That's that's my that's what I think. Yeah. All right. On it's all valid stuff. So, in quick hits, looks like Carrie Shirley, the busiest man in gas-powered helicopters, is working on a mid-engine conversion kit for the Tron 7.0 helicopter. So he posted a rendered image in his Facebook group of that. Not much more info yet, other than it's in process. 
looks like the Strike 8.1 stretch kit is now available. Although I hear they immediately sold out of the first batch as soon as it became available, but they are expecting more soon. So the stretch kit includes the uh, the boom, boom sports, the torque tube, uh, tail servo drive, uh, tail belt, main shaft, washout arms, blade grip links, and a larger front tail pulley drive that brings the ratio to 5.48. So price for that stretch kit is $153.99. So I have heard that First RC does not plan to release 800 size blades like the color matched ones you can get for the 700. Uh, so your best bet is to look at rail, switch, or rotor techs. But uh, be sure and also look at purchasing a lower KV motor as well as what you may be running in your Strike 7.1. Uh, something around 470, 480 is kind of ideal here. Uh, but this is kind of cool. So Aerobanda's Aeropanda uh, is offering a 10% discount on the purchase of a Strike 7.1 kit if you add the purchase of the stretch kit. So that helps bring the price down uh, a little bit there. So more stretch kits are expected next month if you're interested. All right, I don't think, has anyone heard of somebody doing that, offering a discount if you buy the heli and the stretch kit at the same time? I have never oh, heard of that. No, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Sweet. And uh, yeah, kudos to the guys over at Aeropanda who got back to me super quickly today as I started digging for info at the last minute. So thanks, uh, Danny, over there. Uh, all right. Lastly, for our news of the week in one of the worst kept secrets in the RC heli world, XL Power is announcing a new nitro to be released at Urcha with a cryptic image of a helicopter shrouded in nitro smoke. Of course, you can see a little bit of Nimbus canopy colors behind the smoke. And if you remember, I asked Nick Maxwell during a recent live stream he was doing if XL Power had any plans for a 50 size nitro. And he and uh, Frank essentially said yes. So here it is. Looks like we'll see a 50 size nitro in XL Power's future. Stay tuned for more details on that helicopter as they're released. Nimbus Nitro? Nimbatro? What are we going to call this thing? Nice, bro. Nice, bro. Anyway, look for the 50-size Nitro at least to be demoed at Urcha, if not for sale at Urcha. Who knows? No information on that yet. And uh, that's all I got for the news this week. Yay. main topic so maybe for the last two or three episodes we keep getting sidetracked we keep saying we're going to do just a quick touch base on some safety basics so i saw a post on social media the other day from someone who didn't really understand what the difference between throttle cut and hold were i had the same conversation at the field the other day with a beginner as well and so i kind of thought it's smart we dedicate some time to just some basic general safety practices and kind of share our thoughts on them i'm sure mctoon will share some stories of doing things the wrong way and holding running helicopters over his head um, <laughs> and we're going to split these up kind of between electrics and nitros and, and share some stories along the way of accidents these tips prevented and maybe even some accidents that could have been prevented uh, with some basic steps. So all, all we were doing was paving the way to figure it out so nobody else would do it. <laughs> yeah. hey, you still got all your fingers and your scalp, so you're doing I, I, all right. I'm, I'm still alive. Yes. <laughs> So for some of you, this week may be a little on the basic side, but it's amazing how many people don't understand what these basic concepts are. So I personally wanted to do a little something here to just help those folks out. So let's start with electric helicopters. 
So the first thing I want to cover is a throttle cut. Uh, and I want to, you know, just make sure we provide sort of very clear definitions of these because we throw along, throw around so many of these terms at the field, but we never really explain what they are out loud. So what is a throttle cut on an electric helicopter? All right. So most modern electric helicopters use an ESC that's typically governed in the ESC. Some people choose to govern in the fly barless as well. But anyway. That'll give you normally three different throttle outputs. You'll get zero, which is technically throttle cut. You'll get your quick spool idle, which is normally like 40% with hobby wing. And I think it's a little lower on YGE, but basically it's like still armed and it's ready to quick spool, but it's not spinning. Um, and then you get your normal flight bank. And the theory behind it is you can fly around, you can flick into this middle position and the blades will technically stop. Um, but if you are screwing it up on auto, you can flick back into to normal mode or normal RPM, whatever, and it'll quick spool and take off. Um, but if you're on the ground and you're gonna get close to it, it's a good idea to do throttle cut, which is 0% throttle. And then a lot of people will do like a redundant safety switch too, which could be what we're referring to because I think Futaba guys call that throttle cut, right? Yes, um, as does Spectrum. Yeah, so it's just a secondary switch that holds your throttle at zero no matter what. Even if you flick your main uh, throttle switch to 100, it still won't go. So yeah. it's a nice way that when you, if you're a lanyard wearer or whatever, or you're just holding your radio doing dumb stuff and you bump the switch, it doesn't just take off and go. What's Mikado calling that? That's safety, right? Yeah, safety. Yeah, safety, yep. Yeah, so I, I definitely recommend a redundant throttle cut. So I, for my helicopters, I set them up on a three-position switch where away from me is motor on, so you know it spools up at that point. Uh, one click towards me is throttle hold, uh, meaning that I can flip out a bailout and get the helicopter to spool up right away, but it'll be zero RPM, no power going to the blades, but it's right on the edge of powering back up. Yeah, And then all the way towards me is throttle cut. So at this point, the heli will now slow spool back up like it does at the beginning of your flight. Uh, and it's also safe to approach, right? So as you land, you shouldn't be in hold when you go and pick up the helicopter because you're one accidental switch bump away from the helicopter spooling up in your hand. Whereas if you're in throttle cut, um, the helicopter number one will slow spool back up if you happen to bump the switch. Um, but number two, if you run a redundant throttle cut switch like the safety switch in Mikado, which I do, you have to actually bump two different switches to get the helicopter to spool up. And I will say that not all radios have a redundant throttle cut, but I've yet to encounter a radio um, of the ones I've used where I couldn't use some basic mixing programming to create one. So basically yeah. creating a mix on the throttle channel that just adds a redundant uh, throttle cut. So it does take two switches to move to get the heli to spool up. Yeah, that's always smart. And for like the radio master guys, you basically just pick whichever two switches you want and make them be your throttle channel like negative 150 or something like that you know and no matter what you do they'll just it'll be add 150 if those switches are on there and it'll no matter what you do to the stick or your idle switch or whatever it'll always just put out zero until you put them back where you turn them both off you know and then you can use your other switches like you need to yeah and then the thing you got to keep in mind about bailout is you know we all do this when especially with a new helicopter you tend to fly a little bit and decide you want to change your tail gain or initial gains and you hit hold and settle the helicopter in and then you make an adjustment and if you flick back into motor run at this point the heli is going to fast spool which on the ground means it's going to have a really rapid tail kick it's going to spin 90 to 180 degrees around 
uh, as the helicopter spools up. So, might even strip teeth on that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially on some of the more sensitive, like, torque tube stuff. Um, so you need to be careful to switch all the way into cut or send a zero value of throttle to your ESC before you spool back up so it'll go back into slow spool up. Okay. What are some other basic safety features for uh, electric setup when you're working on the bench? I know this one sounds super obvious, but please, people, remove your blades during ESC or FBL initial setup. I know it's one of these things that's like a pain sometimes, and it's a drag, especially if you're changing out a component real quick. You know, you're throwing a new flybarless or new uh esc on and it's the same manufacturer and most of the setups the same and really you just need to you know redo one or two quick settings take the blades off please um yeah or for sure. or at least unplug two of your motor leads yes so yeah. it can't Which physically is... turn not just one because it can still turn with two it'll just um, have to skip a phase but it can still go you might even get it enough yeah to turn and hit the blades against the bench or your forehead for a second I you can know full like, on turn. like if you can skip that yeah. phase if it starts fast enough Good it'll, luck. It'll stay, yeah. Yeah, I have unfortunately, uh, it was actually my first day with the Atlanta Heli crew, and I think I might have told this story on this podcast before early on, but uh, I saw a gentleman setting up a new ESC with the blades on, and we were all, it was right across this sort of wide table from me, and the blades kicked into 100% throttle instantly. Uh, I think it might have been reversing a throttle signal um, channel. And hit this gentleman in the mouth, uh, knocked out three teeth, but a huge gouge in the side of his like mouth and face required a lot of surgery and corrective uh, situations to fix. It was terrible to see. Damn. Um, and, and seeing that, and I'll never forget the gentleman instantly covered his mouth with his hand. And then there's this look of like eyes way wide open in shock and then pulled his hand away and it was just filled with blood. And it was, it was horrible. So. I don't know. I picture that every time I'm like, I don't want to take the blades off. And I'm like, no, asshole, take the blades off. Um, yeah. Because none of us want to see that happen to anybody. Okay. I'm off my soapbox. All right. <laughs> what are <laughs> some, oh, sorry. Uh, what are some basic battery safety things? And this applies to receiver packs as well. So let Dan turn... touch them. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> He'll just start connecting things together. Here we go. Bzz. This is the other thing that prompted this conversation was McToon telling us the story of the guy who's plugged his batteries in wrong and blown his hands up, what, seven times? Yeah. Eight, eight times. Eight, eight times. times. Yeah. He listened to the podcast last week. He goes, I can't believe I got on the podcast like that. And I was like, yeah, that's not the way you want to get on the podcast. <laughs> not tell on Devin. Devin? He's going to get that? mad you're telling people that story. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not Devin. <laughs> So, how do you fry your fingers plugging in a battery pack? Like, what are people doing wrong in that situation? He had um, he had the battery set up with the jumper, had a twin plug to the ESC, and then jumpers between the two. And somehow he tried to plug the jumper into connection. I, I I don't I honestly don't know how he did it. I really don't because afterwards we looked. I'm like, how did you even get them together? And he's like, "Whoa, I pushed really hard." I'm like, "Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah." I was trying to yeah. weld some stuff, and if you have to force it, something's probably wrong. Yeah, if if you look at it and you're like, "Nah, that can't happen," it it probably can. You can you can figure yeah. out some some way to get those uh, 
those pieces together all so of a sudden. And it don't take much. Right. Well, and here's a tip too. Like when I, and I don't know, probably it's not as common these days, I guess. But back in the day when I was first getting in, like the, uh, for instance, the Gowie uh, 425 and the Gowie 550 iterations, right? They ran on six cells, but because of the design of the frame, it required you to do two, three cells in series, right? In order to derive your six that you needed. Um, so, uh, you know, you had to go buy extra connectors or make a, like a Y adapter or this or that. And some guys would do, uh, this is before like the RC pro plus connectors and the really where you can break them apart and connect, you know, in series or either way. Uh, they didn't really have fancy connectors like that yet. So a lot of guys would do bullets and then do like a shroud on either side, just to color code them or whatever. And I set a setup like that where I had a, I would make one lead set of leads short. So I knew the shorts plugged together, the longs connect over to the ESC. So I, I would try to avoid connecting them wrong. But invariably, there there have been times where I've accidentally done that. I was thinking too fast or talking to somebody while I was doing it. And I'll end up getting the connectors. I'll grab a battery lead uh, and then the short one from the same one. And since it's just bullet connectors underneath essentially colored heat shrink, it would just be like, bzz. so note to self, don't, if, even though I thought it was this crafty, nerdy, cool, fun, hobbyist way to do it, you know, it's completely unnecessary and hazardous as you can see I, I don't know how many times i destroyed the ends of those bullets because i was you know welding these little three cell packs together like psh, 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 psh. but with these bigger helis now like 700 class electrics there's a lot of voltage in there so just buy the off-shelf stuff uh, that snaps together only one way like tetris and just do it right and pay attention yeah i was gonna say what are some strategies to make sure you can't plug it in the wrong way well i think like the super x type connectors or some of those other ones that are keyed um you know even like xd60s or xd90s and stuff like that they're keyed in a particular way you know um so plugging them in you should be all right you know what i'm saying unless you've got some sort of weird like series y adapter setup like the trx 600 is a series with ec5s um and uh so that's pretty straightforward because i just have two ec5 plugs and you can only plug them in one way but I have this other pack that it's two six cell batteries that are uh, XT60 with EC5 adapters on there. And sometimes it just starts to get fiddly with all these things I'm fucking with. So, you know, I think the smart thing would just be have um, a, a, some sort of keyed connector that you, you can't plug it in the wrong way. It would be difficult for you to do it, you know. But we had yeah, a and- gentleman at our field a few years back that's like a big stickler for safety. Do things slow. Don't, don't be moving fast. Don't be in a rush to charge your batteries and get the next flight in. Don't, you know, double check your transmitter packs, your voltages, all, all this stuff. Right. And we're all like, wow. Yeah. This guy is, is, you know, crushing it, man, with the safety stuff. He's really good at it. And he went to charge his battery and he plugged it in to the charge lead that comes out of the charger. Only the banana plugs weren't plugged into the connection. They were laying on top of each, they were laying on top of each other. Oh man. And it was like as as conscientious as he was and as careful as he was, it still found a way. You know, it's it's like you just like the stupidest thing. You're like, oh, how did he do that? It's like you know electrons want down to the ground no matter what. No matter what, man, they want to return, you know? So and and I mean it obliterated the banana plugs. I mean, they weren't even you're like, what were they? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's my molten fool's gold on a wire 
yeah so so it's like no it's like almost no matter what you do you know there's still there's still a way you know you try to be foolproof like uh, you know we we have failures in the generator world uh on these generators for all kinds of reasons and every mm. time it happens you put protocol in that will stop that and six months later you got something else and it's like right. <laughs> it's like so yeah. my whole thing is is you know be be as careful as you possibly can to try not to hurt yourself because things are going to happen it's not a matter of if it's going to happen it's when you know yeah if you go yeah. out there and you fly enough and you use these products enough and the batteries enough it's gonna happen so try to you know eliminate any injury to yourself who cares about the lead you can make a new lead you know yeah so yeah. it's 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 un, it's unfortunate that i think like that but over 40 years no it's, that's it's, it's smart yeah. it's yeah. smart to be deliberate about this kind of stuff because you know it's yeah we've heard the stories people burning their houses down with their lipos you know that kind of shit happens sometimes i, t- I like tell everybody I, common but yeah i don't know. charge in a, like a lipo pack but i don't charge in anything yeah it's usually away from things that way you know the worst thing that's going to happen is i'm going to toast the battery and maybe my charger you know yeah, your charge so, box or something yeah, yeah you know any of that stuff you can replace it sucks but you know you can you can fix that so um mm-hmm. you know think, i'm telling you the, the other week when that happened at the field i looked at his fingers and i was just like no way you didn't get <laughs> like seriously injured and he yeah. got lucky he didn't he wiped the charcoal off and he's like yeah they tingle a little bit but they're okay and i saw him, i saw and I saw him over the weekend, and he was tickled that I talked about that. <laughs> hey, that's cool. It's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. You try. You try to stop it, but possible. Yeah, that's true. It's very possible. Yeah. So, some strategies that that other folks do when plugging in batteries: colored heat shrink on, you yeah. know, matching connections so that you know know that yellow goes to yellow or whatnot. Um, using different types of connectors so the you know the the jump connection is a different style of connector than the one that's going to the esc uh you know there's a few different strategies that folks can use uh and if you don't know and you're buying your first packs and soldering your first connectors like check with other guys at the field see what they're doing um if you fly with other people or ask on the internet ask people to send you pictures of their battery connections and uh see what the consensus is on that and what works uh but the important thing is to just be aware of what you're connecting to what, understand the way the power flows through two battery packs in series, um, and just be cautious when, you, when you're plugging this stuff in. Yeah, on the Jets, we use a, uh, what do we use on that? We're using a two-cell two low voltage, so we're using life packs on it. And I have them where they can be plugged in, but there's a jumper that you remove. So when you oh, have sure. that jumper out, you could plug your batteries in. Everything's in like it's ready to go, but there's no power there because that jumper leads not in. Yeah, and then you plug that yeah. in and go. Like a key it's, switch. It's like a key. It's like a key. Yeah. So um, that has never produced the you know crossing anything, but I'm sure if I think hard enough, I'll figure out a way. Oh, look at that! It can do it. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, come over there and you you set your whole thing up and you come walk up with like a six cell battery with the same connector and stuff it in the keyhole. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah. Ooh. Sparky. So, 
McToon, you you touched on charging, um, and I just want to kind of echo what you said that number one, the, the number one rule in charging is don't charge batteries unattended. Um, yeah, you know, because that's when problems happen. I think you'll find that most lipo fires happen during charging, and most of them are when people are out of the room, so re- your reaction time is slowed. So, um, here's what I do. Uh, I fully admit that there are times when you're rushing around trying to get stuff done in the morning, you're trying to get a bunch of packs charged, you can rush to the field. So my one rule is if I'm going to walk away from the charger, the charger goes outside. So I have a rolling workbench in my garage that has power on it, and I will literally roll the whole workbench outside with the charger on it and charge it in the open air in the driveway. So if every battery on top of that thing caught on fire, the worst that happens is my workbench catches on fire and I lose the charger and the battery. and even then, I'm never that far from it. Uh, so please yeah. don't charge unattended, for sure. And here's the other thing, too. You could take, say, 10 LiPos, all exactly the same. We'll call it a 6S uh, 5000 pack. Doesn't matter who makes it. I don't care. And you could take a tent spike and drive it through all 10 of them. And every one of them will react different. They'll all burn. But some will smoke. Some will yeah. flame. Some will explode. They'll, they they react different, all right? And mm-hmm. I've seen them where they start to burn when you're charging them, and they're just releasing all this smoke, and it kind of, it stinks. It's like, all right, you you unplug it, you throw it, you throw it off to the side, and just let it sit there and smolder. And then I've seen them where you've got like, you know, you you think there's a second sun there, it's going up so mm-hmm. vi- yeah. violently, so they yeah, it's like they, a flare. They, yeah, it is like a flare and very hot, and they and they react different they're all the same they're all the same chemistry they're all made the same but they react and you know the other thing watch out for i'm guilty of doing this make sure you charge your packs at the right chemical you have done that too you're not you're (laughs) not chart you're not charging your life pack as a lipo okay or you're not charging your 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 lipo as a nicat that's a bad yeah (laughs) yeah that thing will just keep going and going yes Yes. No, that's very true. So, I mean, definitely take a second to look at that charge screen, right? If you've been yeah. charging 6S 5000s and you plug your little receiver pack in for your Nitro uh, and you hit it with like 5 to 8C or whatever because you were charging in a much higher current and there's this tiny little battery pack, like something bad is going to happen there. So, you know, yeah, take a second. going to be like, ow. Before yeah. you press start and just triple check it, you know, and, and take your time what, with these things. Listen to what we've said in the last 10 minutes. What's the one thing that we've said over and over again? Take your time. Yeah. 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 Take your time. No rush. You know, you, what are you going to get? One less flight in for the day? Big deal. Take your time. Take care of your stuff. Don't hurt yourself. What is it that phrase they say? Slow uh, is slow fast. smooth and smooth is fast. Fast. Yep. yep. Exactly right. You just slow down with stuff and 90% of the crap that can hurt you won't happen. So do you guys storage charge your batteries, meaning put them away at around 3.8 volts per cell? I try to fly them down to that, but I don't actually store them, put them on storage with the charger. Same. Same. What about nitros, though? So if I get one flight in on my nitro and it was fully charged, do you take those receiver packs down to storage? I have never gotten just one flight on my nitro. <laughs> well, I guess Not they call you tuned right, for yeah. a reason. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it's been a very long time. So. Yeah. Are you flying every week with it? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we fly every week with stuff. There's 
few things that we don't fly with, but I've never, now I'm trying to think if I've ever put my nitro battery on storage and I don't think I have. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I haven't. Well, I think it's for the bigger ones, it's, it seems to impact the batteries a little bit more than the smaller ones. But for me, for all the batteries, if I anticipate they're going to sit any longer than like a weekend off to another weekend worth of time, then I'll, I'll draw them down say I charged them up and that, opportunity to fly pat goes past me and i can't get to the park or something and now i got these charged batteries uh yeah. it, you know if they got to sit for like three four days or something then i'll try and burn them off right but if i can't then i'll, I'll then i'll draw them down in, in store uh, i can yeah. tell you this much from us testing batteries over the last five years when new packs come out and shit like that the things that they want us to do to those batteries are horrific so if if you even take the slightest bit of care of them, you should be fine. All right. We fly them down to zero and we charge <laughs> them and we charge them at least twice as fast as what's wow. even recommended just to see if they're going to do anything crazy. And, um, to the tune of doing that, you know, hundreds of times and yeah, everybody will laugh because they'll, they'll hear Devin's head speed coming down. It's like, Oh, you just ruined that battery. It's like, that's like 200th time I've done that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's like, you know, and you do that, you do that because you want to try to, you want to try to put the battery under the worst possible conditions you can and, and see what it does, you know? Um, and hopefully nobody else is doing stuff like that until now, yeah. until now. <laughs> oh yeah. Until, until our episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely try and fly my packs down to 3.8 or close enough. I don't get that fussy about it. Um, yep. I do periodically look at the cell voltages when I'm about to charge, or I'm like plugging them into the charger and make sure that I don't have like one bad cell somewhere um, that's about to make the charger very unhappy or anything weird. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't go crazy on that stuff. Where do you guys store them in your house or garage or shed or wherever? Where do you keep your lipo batteries? So I have mine in a uh, fireproof safe that's meant to hold um cash for like a bank and then i have a vent that goes on the front of it that vents outside so if they all go up they're self-contained and any smoke goes outside nice dude yeah but that's like stupid amounts of money that you have to spend i i ended up buying it from a business that was local that was closing and I walked in and they're like, you know, everything's on sale. All the RC stuff is on sale. And, you know, I walk up and like, hey, you want to sell your safe? What are you going to do with that? You know, I'm, I'm going to put my batteries in. I used to store them in uh, ammo cans, try to contain the fire if anything happened. Um, but the ammo can sealed pretty tight. So if you do that, you do have to put some type of venting on it. Yeah, the you know, was, there. yeah, yeah, which means you're going to have a lot of smoke in your house, but hopefully it contains the flame. Um, mm, right. Yeah. I, I guess there's almost no, you can't, you know, you don't want to keep them in your garage. Garage is going to go up. <laughs> I don't know. You know I, I keep mine happens. in my garage, but my garage is detached. So if it goes up, the house doesn't. Um, yeah, yeah. keep them in a metal filing cabinet, which I know is not amazing. I keep smaller ones in lipo bags and I have ammo cans as well with the seals removed. Um, I have a smoke detector that is linked to the smoke detectors in the house as well. So if it goes off in the garage, it'll notify the house as well as my phone. 
Um, and I have, you know, the correct kind of fire extinguisher. I have fire blankets in there close by. So I've done the best I can, but at some point you're either building a dedicated building or buying a gajillion dollar safe. So you just take the most precautions you can, but I would not keep them in a living space unattended because things happen with these. I had an area on the side of the, uh, side of the shed that had just a workbench out there just for putzing around with little shit. And I, I made these and I tried it. I I took six inch PVC pipe and I put a a cap on one end and then I put a twist on like a, a thread on the other end. And I kept during the summer, spring, spring, summer and fall, I kept some batteries in there and I just, they were older batteries. I wanted to see what they would do with being outside, like colder weather, the hotter weather, all, all that, see if they get hurt or anything like that. Because I was thinking about using that as a storage. It's It protected them well. Nothing really happened to them while they were outside. And if anything did happen, you would lose the PVC pipe, but it wasn't in the garage, it wasn't in the house, it wasn't close to anything. So I, maybe I'll try something with that again, see if it works, let you guys know. Yeah, for like folks that have, don't have a garage or a uh, place that they could have their right. stuff that's not inside their house. Yep. Yeah. Aside yep. from sticking it in the barbecue grill or some shit. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So, Has anybody heard of a battery? So, a couple stipulations. The battery's at storage charge. The battery has not been in a crash. Has anyone heard of a battery in that situation? So, storage charge uncrashed, stored in a temperature-controlled environment, lighting itself on fire? Nope. Yep. Nah. Nope. Never. Me either. Think, think Never. of the thousands of batteries that are sitting around on the shelf at all the Amazon distribution warehouses right now mm-hmm. while you're listening to this podcast that have been sitting there for weeks to months at storage charge at whatever ambient temperature it is inside a warehouse, right? On a metal gorilla rack somewhere. So, Aside from yeah. doing something drastic to the battery, like, like driving a stake through it, you know? Uh, like a tent stake that definitely shorts the cells and it could they go up but yeah, we've tried yeah. ch- we've tried charging them wrong overcharging them uh you know discharging them down to like one and a half volts and then and then putting 40 amps in them you know and, and it just just <laughs> i wish i was like, there for that kind of stuff that like, sounds let's, fun. let's just see what it does and i don't think i've ever had one go up from any of that yeah. So, you know, speaking about storing, though, you know, I think another thing to think of, too, is like I've had situations where um, uh, I'll have like like so the receiver batteries. This is this happened back in the day, not in this most recent iteration, but back in the day, I'd have a mix of batteries. So like my receiver battery um, would be uh, it would run like the Dean's Micro. That's just my choice because I had micro helis that ran Dean's Micro on the batteries there, too. And so it's just convenient for me. But, you know, the Dean's Micro has that one pin that just pokes out all the time, you know? And I would get that thing stuck in, like, an XD60, or I would get it crossed between, like, across, like, another, or get accidentally plugged in halfway on another one, because I just used to throw them in my, I had this little metal, you know, those little metal fold-out cases where you pick and pack out the foam out from the inside? Yeah. Um, I had yeah. one of them that, yeah, and I, I would go throw my Gowie 200 in there and my receiver and a bunch of batteries. I'd just throw them haphazardly in there. Uh, and then one day I found that the battery was like half plugged in. And and also another thing to think of is like the balance lead end has, well, I just, I'm stupid. I'm sitting here holding one in my hand and I've got that in, uh, 
the uh, Dean's micro in my hand. I'm like, yeah, and the balance lead has these little ends. You got to make sure not they don't touch. And I fucking touched them. And it's like, this is right here on the show. Anyway, so you don't want that to happen in your bag, right? So I wasn't aware that you can have these little caps. Like, it was kind of neat. James Cadiz, when he sent me this 570, all the batteries had these little 3D print little caps you put on the end. And one side says it's red and one side's green. So uh, for me, in that case, I charge them. I put the cap on green side out. I know I can fly it without having to check. Um, I, you know, um, and then, but the point is I can put the cap back on. So when I, I fold them down in my, I've got the light, these lipo safe bags for those. And I can make sure I fold all the ends down with the caps on so that they can't accidentally touch something. You know, the big helis, those, the ends, if you look down in them, those bullets can be kind of big and you accidentally get something in there, you're screwed. So don't just throw your, your, your batteries in your tool bag or in your, in your, in your thing haphazardly or whatever you want to storm like deliberate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, electrical contacts don't have to touch to short out. If they get close, electricity will make the jump on its own. Yeah, yeah. It'll arc. Um, all right, so I think yeah. that that's a pretty good for electrics, unless anyone has anything else they want to add. No, I just want to say that, like, just what you said, electricity can jump. It's like women. They can jump to conclusions <laughs> very quickly. Yes. <laughs> and equally as dangerous. Absolutely. <laughs> and Flames, rewarding. fire, smoke. <laughs> Woof, the works. <laughs> That's just because they think different than men. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Well, we think positively and they think negatively, and that's why it happens. Yeah. yeah. It jumps the air gap and goes to shit. Yeah. That's where all the resistance comes from. Oh, one of the girls at work the other day turned around and told me that NASA figured out that you could land, actually land on the sun. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah, you just have to do it at night. Oh, neat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh. That's as far as right. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hey, talk nitro safety. Hey, real quick before you go on to the other one. I think you have another good point on these talking points. Don't remove the leads from the charger first. We kind of touched on it with oh, that yeah. Yeah, that's a hit that. Thank you. Dude, I destroyed my parallel uh, my one of the one of the outputs on my parallel board pulling the the leads off the board first, you know. Uh, yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Be very conscious of that. Yeah. Anytime you got like a charging lead with two banana plugs or two leads sticking out the end, if you pull that out of your charger first while it's connected to the battery, if those two touch, forget about it. Oh, bad yeah. things are going to happen. I had six seven cell batteries connected to that thing when that happened. Oh, fun. Ooh. My thumbs uh-huh. were black or my fingers were black too, just like everybody else's were. <laughs> All right. Let's go nitro. So, uh, proper throttle setup. So what do we need to be careful of before we try and start the motor and spool up the helicopter for the first time? What do we need to check? That you didn't install the throttle spring backwards so it pulls it to wide open throttle. Ooh, yeah. jeez. <laughs> <laughs> that would be intense. That you actually installed the throttle linkage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh, here's yeah. one. If you got any of the people that have gone back and listened to any of the Vincent shows have heard my story of my first Nitro Heli experience. I, being a dummy and a noob, not really fully understanding exactly the physics behind how um, ball links and the uh, link ends, the plastic link ends, work on an RC helicopter. I've seen them in cars and other things. In my case, the, uh, the link was, uh, had a crack, a little hairline crack in the link, but the, you know, the part that wraps around the ball felt firm enough in my brain that, oh, that's fine, that'll be just fine. And so I straight up spooled this tried to spool this thing up and fly 
And uh, you'll have to listen to the show. Go find it. It's like episode, one of the first 10 episodes. Go watch, go listen. Um, and that story is crazy. But the point is, of course, it popped right off the throttle because the link was cracked. So yeah, check that shit. Yeah, the answer I'm looking for is just check your endpoints. Make sure that your throttle cut is actually going to stop the engine. So if you start it and something goes weird, you can, in fact, stop it. Um, so yes. make sure off is all the way off. Uh, and your idle's not set at, you know, three-quarter throttle uh, and that type of thing. So just give a, a quick double check of that before you try and start it for the first time. So what about nitro starting procedures? What is the safest way to start a nitro helicopter and ensure you don't have a hot start? Everything we just said. <laughs> That'll help. Uh. <laughs> so what's the process? Like, what do you do? Like, do this, then do that, then do that, and then start it. Well, so I mean, when I the- first start, when I first start mine, the first start of the day, um, and this comes with experience, which the new guy's not going to, okay. When you turn, you turn the helicopter on, just like you're going to start it to go fly. Okay. And I put my starter in with no glow. Okay. And my fuel line pinched and I turned the motor over and I listened to it. This distinctive difference between how an engine sounds with a closed carburetor and an open. Very, very, very different. And you can you can learn to hear that. That's me. Okay. Okay, yeah. So the tips I got, so none of these are mine. These are just what really helpful people, and John Elrod gave me a bunch, as well as Kenny Hutton. Uh, so the first thing I do is I, I tilt the helicopter. So I you know, turn the helicopter on, obviously, before I've added glow or the starter. Uh, set my radio up into the starting position so I make sure that my throttle and the radio is low. On the V-Control, right on the display, it'll show you what the throttle percentage is. So I know what number that should be when I start it. Um, you know, the idle is something around 10 for throttle percentage. So I make sure that reads 10. I make sure my left stick is all the way down at zero. And then I actually will pivot the helicopter um, on its side and triple check that the throttle arm is where it should be, right? That it's at the almost closed position. Uh, and then I stand it back up, put my uh, starter in, and I make sure that my blades are in such a position that if for some stupid reason the clutch engaged and the blades turn, the starter is going to stop the blade from coming into me. So the starter is a physical block that'll stop the blade as it tries to rotate. Um, just something Elrod. So I don't know. I don't know whether that's what you guys do, but that made a lot of sense to me, and it, it's what I've adapted as, as my starting method. Cool. That's good stuff. So what's a chicken dance, and how do I safely stop one? There's no stopping the chicken dance. You just have to watch. Maybe throw a dollar no, at it every now and then. No, you can stop a chicken dance. So What's the stop. safe way to stop a chicken dance? Have a blanket. And what is one, for those who don't know what it is? <laughs> so, that's a stuck-open throttle. <laughs> that's what that is. Stuck-open throttle, and you're and your helicopter's going round and round on the ground. You typically, unless you're Devin, they do that in the air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they start dancing from 100 start feet up. Start dancing from, yeah, from 100 feet up. Uh, the only way I've ever stopped the chicken dance was to either let it run out, or we used to, this going back, you know, years ago, we were trying different things. Uh, we used to keep a moving blanket with us. And believe it or not, if it was chicken dancing, it wouldn't save the heli, but it would definitely stop it. You go over and throw the blanket on it. It would get all wrapped around. It would get all wrapped around it, and it would shut the motor off. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, yeah. You know, um, that again, going back to you know, we were the pioneers, and 
moving blanket. Hey, that's a good tip. See, the ice anglers up here need that tip for the damn runaway ice augers in the middle of winter. Yeah, Never right. Yeah. Videos. You need a moving <laughs> yeah. blanket on that sucker, man. It'd be one and done. Yeah, it does wrap. It, it wraps right around and it'll stop whatever's, you know, going on. You have nice. to have it. You have to have it near you. You have to, you know what I mean? And be ready you to get be brave enough to toss brave, that thing on exactly, there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're tossing it like a crab net. All right. So I learned what a hot start was in my nitro journey. Basically, when you try and start the helicopter with a high throttle level, that'll engage the clutch and therefore uh, start the blade spinning. If you do hot start a helicopter, what should you do first? Like, how do you safely stop a hot start? Remove the fuel. Yeah. So is that what you do? You grab the fuel line and just yank it away from the engine? I yank the fuel line. The problem with that is it's going to run for a little bit. There's fuel in the carburetor. So it's then not you just got to hold ahead and burn the clutch out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if you can, you know, what was your hot start? Was your hot start, you had the throttle stick up or are you using direct throttle or are you using, uh, you know, the, the regular just increases, you know, in bank one, two and three? Yeah. So I haven't had one yet. Uh, I know it's only a matter of time. It sounds like it happens to everybody. Um, but so if you're, in my if, case, you, it could be a high stick. Are you using direct throttle in uh, yeah. flight, mo- flight mode one? That would be really the only way to do it with a high stick, unless you put something together wrong, like on a first start or something. Um, carb linkage falls off or something like something well, stupid. Well, that like or that. if the engine dies or you're tuning or whatever and you land it and it dies and whatever, you, you know, you don't, you don't go back to your starting position. You started at a high throttle because you were in bank two or whatever when you, um, when you landed and the engine sputtered out. Yeah, I suppose you yeah, do that it, if you didn't put that switch back. Yeah, if you don't put the switch back, your throttle's going to be probably up over fifty percent at least, you know, and it's going to try to it's going to try to go. That'd be spicy. Yeah, um, that gets back to what we were talking about earlier. Slow, slow down. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, can you hold the head? And if the, if a hot start happens, and the clutch will just burn out, and you'll be all right. It ain't easy, <laughs> but you can hold it. <laughs> but then you're okay. you're 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 compounded there because as you're holding the head, now the, the body of the heli is going to try to try to move instead of the head, and you're trying to reach for your radio, which you know maybe is in the wrong position. Switch or your stick is up. Uh, if if that all looks good at a quick glance, you know, and remember all this is happening in milliseconds. Uh, yeah. Then you're trying with an to, angry heli with an angry heli, and then you're trying to get to the. Uh, fuel line and typically the body turns at least 180 degrees before you realize to hold on really hard so now you got to reach over and try to get to the fuel line and it's just over the top right <laughs> it's yeah. a pretty yeah it's a pretty big shit show when that happens um yeah um i've seen it i mean i just saw it out at the uh at, th- at the throwdown last week guy uh had a heli stall and he went out and grabbed his starter and fired it up and it was ripping and he held on to it. He held on to it and pulled that uh, pulled that fuel line off. And he brought it back. And I swear I was going to walk back and smell clutch, but he got away with it. So well, nice. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about these thing like was, shark attacks uh, or UFO sightings or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, if you you just got just take your time, take your time and double check it all. Don't get like pissed that the thing quit on you and and you know, grab your starter and just crank it over, man. Go, go back and start over again. You know, just, uh, I feel like take your time's becoming a common thread in this episode. 
Well, it is. It, it's like that with everything. Makes sense. When, when we're when we're you know back to fireworks, we're shooting fireworks. It's like you don't run to anything. You don't do anything fast. Every everything is done slow and controlled. So the people that are watching the fireworks don't know the difference. Um, and it, it's just it gives you time to think. That's all it does. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then you won't make that mistake, or hopefully not make that mistake. Yeah, the guy who runs over to the shell that didn't fire to figure it out, and then it goes off. And it goes off, sure, because it's a it's a delayed delayed fire and whatever you know. You got yeah. a slow slow fuse, or maybe the tube had some moisture in it because we're shooting them at nine o'clock at night. You know, after they've been sitting out in the hot sun, now they're cooled off, they're moist, they're wet. Um, yeah, it's just a whole host of things. So, um, I have been told thousands, thousands, and thousands of times in everything that I've done, slow down. You know, slow down, slow down, slow down. Like, all right. Yeah. yeah. Think, think about what you're doing. All right. I think we can kind of wrap this up with just touching on a few quick uh, actual flying safety points. So uh, one of the things I like, Rob, when you were, uh, or McToon, talking about the early days in the hobby and you were talking about, you know, maidening helicopters, you would put them like 100 feet away from yourself. So oh yeah, yeah. obviously keeping a safe distance is, is hugely uh, important. And it was interesting, too. Last week, you were talking about back to safe distance that in the 3D competition that a pilot was actually uh, had his round disqualified because he was flying too close to himself, which I thought was great. They're working on trying to reinforce those policies. So what is a safe distance to fly from yourself? Oh, man. Um, I guess yeah, I can't say what you're comfortable with because a lot of guys get in really close. It, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the helicopter could be 50, 60 feet away from you and still make it to you really quick. So there's oh, yeah. like no, there's no real distance that you can say, hey, you got to be 120 feet away from yourself to ensure that you're not going to get hit with that thing. It's not, that's not really how it works. It, it depends on what maneuver you're doing. Are you coming towards yourself? Or are you going away from yourself? Are you passing by? Are you doing some hard stop where it comes at the crowd, stops hard, and then goes the other way for you know, that wow mm -hmm. factor, you know? Um, well, I think, I don't know. I think it like, as far as like beginner to early intermediate, I think it's the big bulk of where the listen, the, the, the target audience for this kind of dialogue or to real people in that have been at it for a while and maybe are just pushing their luck. Right. But I think generally speaking, like just to be prudent, I think as a beginner, a good safe distance would be like an easy 50 feet out from you and three or or so mistakes high, you know, that puts you at a, a an angular vector. You're a good 150 feet up, you know, from where you're at, where your yeah. body is positionally oh. in 3d space. Right. And so you've got enough height to have an oh shit and figure it out. You got enough distance. So you don't accidentally have an oh shit that's coming at you where you fly over your head and disorient yourself. Right. Um, so maybe 50 feet, maybe that's even pushing it for a beginner, you know, get out there a little bit. Uh, if you got like a little, um, you know, the, um, maybe a 450 or, or a 400 class or something smaller like that, or maybe a 200 class, you could maybe scale that in your mind, just figure out how to scale that in a little bit. Um, so you can still see it, but it's far enough out there, um, to learn on right. Um, so the other, the other thing, you, the other thing you can do with those helicopters when you know, is it seems like no matter what happens when things start going kind of more towards the wrong side, it seems like you're moving the helicopter always towards yourself, you know, you, it yeah. like naturally gravitates towards yourself. You know, I, I don't know if it's just because you're, 
you're pulling that stick in that direction because you're trying to move and get out of the way or something. But one of the things that one of the clubs did is they had um, these trifold fences. They bought these fence panels and it would sit in front of you like uh, like half an octagon, you know, mm-hmm. and it was yeah, and it was yeah. about and it was about waist high. And believe it or not, that thing would stop quite a bit of stuff. It would make a mess yeah. out of your heli and a mess out of the fence. But yeah. we ha- we had the uh, in the beginning, it was, you know, all everybody learning how to stand behind that. And then over time, we were just like, well, everybody should just do it. You know, it's yeah. a bar- it's a barrier between you and, you know, the heli, um, even if it just slows it down. You yeah. Know? Sure. Yeah. So. yeah. If it's ricocheting back towards you or something crazy. Sure. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. You had that peace of mind. And then it also helps to like quantify that boundary that exists you know right and and that's not even something that the club has to provide you as a beginner could make that for probably 30 40 bucks and you go out yep. there and you just fold it out and it's your just you know prop it up that's your, your spot yeah yep. yeah your little spot your little wall in between you yeah, yeah your flight I, station your flight station yeah. exactly so protect you a little bit if it can yeah. i think the biggest thing is people need to understand the dangers and if people choose to accept it and do what they want. Cool. Whatever. That's yep. your risk. You know, as long as everyone within yep. harm's way is aware of what can happen, by all means. Well, yeah, sure. Want. You you know, you want to, you, you know, ob- obviously, you know, you've got spinning knives of death um, going yeah. around, you know, and, you know, any, anything can happen at any time. So try to try to keep it away from the people and everything. It's just, yeah, I, I see more, I see more like the, uh, um, a lot of the pro pilots or the better pilots, they they start bringing things in closer and closer and closer, and it's yeah. that it's that wow factor, yes. Um, yeah. And and and, and, got it. and well, they and a lot of them, a lot of you guys, I don't, I can't fly like that, you know. But you guys are great pilots that fly, like you and Devin and Diego and all these guys. It's incredible what they do. But you know, like we talked about last week, you're you're a tail touch away from disaster or or a broken servo arm away from disaster you know um yeah so my biggest thing is everyone needs to know what they're in for yeah if they choose to ignore it they choose to fly fine that's that's fine as long as everyone that's around you is aware of the dangers and don't expect others to be responsible for your actions if you fuck up that's on you you did that yeah you know um, I don't know. It just rubs me the other the wrong way when people do things. They have a mistake, and then they want to like have other people have a ton of pity for them. It's like, dude, no. Like, if you're skydiving and you know the dangers, and something happens, it's like that. You know this. It's like I don't know. Let me get into a submarine and sign a waiver that says that shit doesn't work. Like, I'm not gonna feel bad for you, dude. You knew the dangers. You signed yeah. up for this. You chose to do it. Did you Ten see the four. new name? The new name they had for that guy that was piloting that submarine. No, what's his name? What? Uh, Captain Crunch. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man, Mr. Rush. Oh. <sighs> but it, I view it like that. Like don't don't It's a don't fair ask. statement, Scott. You're not you're not far off and it's not yeah. like yeah. let's face it, okay? Let's let's t- let's call a spade a spade here. There's always been this little bit of tiptoeing around the the danger angle of the hobby in the spirit of trying to acquire new hobbyists. Right. Yeah. So sometimes that part gets minimized, but um, you know, and I, I don't know if this makes sense in some way, but the fact that it's a dangerous radio controlled 
aircraft is part of the allure for me. So I came into it knowing full well what I was getting into, right? But I still wanted to jump in. And that's not to say that your average Joe that's at like a six, oh, maybe I'll give this a rip. That if you told him that it could, you know, take your calf out and you would have to have reconstructive surgery if you're not careful, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to turn him away. It just means that once he's bought the thing, he needs to be taught. He or she needs to be taught appropriately so that you know what's up going in. And it's yeah. not about, I'm not trying to be alarmist or anything like that, but I mean, come on, we all know that these things are dangerous as hell. So let's not, yeah. let's not. And what are we going to do? Fill, fill the world with a bunch of new rules. Like, oh, you need to be 10 meters yeah. away. You need to stay over this. You can't do this. No, you can't do that. No, it's going to ruin definitely, it. Definitely so not. You're either going to ruin not. it yep. by having accidents or you're going to ruin it by filling it with rules. So that's why I think the only way around this is just education and it's on just, you, buddy. You just fuck up. Be careful, right? That was just you. Fucking, yeah. Just be careful, man. That's easy, that's easy peasy lemon squeezy. Just be careful. Yeah. With your toy. It's expensive and dangerous, but I mean, fun I, as hell. You know. So be careful with. It. Yeah. When we sign the AMA thing for uh, Fun Flies, do we sign a waiver when we do that? Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Sir. Good. Because I was going to say there should be some sort of like legal waiver involved that you even if you're spectating, like understand they're dangerous. Don't get too close. And also understand this is a human being with human error piloting something that is also hobby grade, not industrial grade, that can have component failure. Yeah. So yeah, just keep yeah. that in mind when it's doing crazy shit near you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, if, and I will if say, something goes wrong, hey, we told you. Yeah. Get out the moving and, blanket. And, yeah. and when yeah. I brought up this safe distance, that wasn't quite the direction I was thinking. It was really more kind of the way Rob went there, which was that. You know, for a beginner, a safe distance is 30 to 50 feet away from yourself uh, and flying two or three mistakes high as you start to learn new maneuvers. Um, yeah. yeah. And Just then, imagine, yeah, and give, give a samurai sword to a toddler. Stand about that close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the other room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where was I about to go? Oh, one of the things I want to add to that is, is don't be afraid because of what everyone else is doing, like if you're at a fun fly and there's a pro pilot who's a badass who's flying to what you, to you feels too close to themselves, like back up. There's no shame in that. There's no harm in that. Like make sure you feel safe in the circumstances you're in, right? Which is yeah. no different than like getting in a car with someone you wouldn't trust to drive you or anything else, right? Like yeah. be cognizant of your own safety at the flying field, much oh, like. Man. When, you know, like I talked about last week, when we're at the field with a bunch of plankers, one of us always has our eye on them because, man, those things go all over the damn place. <laughs> yeah. But I'm the same way, like you said, with cars. Um, if I've got someone I don't know and they got a fast car and they want to give me a ride in it, no, I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm probably not going to go and ride with it until I see how you drive. Or if I do go for a ride, I make sure I tell them, look, I've been in some fucking fast shit. You're not going to impress me. All right. So don't try. Yeah. Let's just... Yeah enjoy the ride i want to see the car out of curiosity i don't want you to try and go superman and kill us both and wrap us around a phone pole so didn't you didn't you jump in a certain corvette at fredericksburg and go for a ride no you didn't where no no that was not no, you i wouldn't nope definitely not yeah. the only thing i did was i rode inside of a model x plaid but that was sean hall um i had a feeling he wasn't going to be an absolute yahoo which he wasn't yeah um, I, would, I would trust i would trust him yeah, he seems more level-headed. He understands what a lawyer is, and uh, he probably doesn't mm-hmm. want to take out other other people Dude. in the hobby. <laughs> I, I almost hurled in that Model X plaid. I was like, don't oh, do that again. <laughs> oh, I loved it. 
but but you know what i'm trying to say it's like you know there's certain people i'll stand with and fly with there's certain people i'll jump in a car with but if things get out of hand i will pump the brakes i mean i I'm, i was that guy at, at fredericksburg that i was standing by nick maxwell and obviously he's probably arguably the best pilot period the person you should trust the most standing right there and it was too much it's too close too fast too much at me and i walked away well here's I my just, here's my man. deal is i don't i don't not trust the guy i don't trust the machine yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that, sh- not just yeah. that, like, yeah. we are people, human beings. We A, make mistakes. B, your one hand twitch, one micro issue. People have fucking, like, seizures randomly or, like, you know, blood clots and, yeah. and like, God forbid, horrible medical things. But you know where I'm getting at. Yeah. You're one just heart blip away at that distance with someone flying to die. You want me to put my life on the line for that many possible variables for what to see a toy helicopter whip around a little bit no fuck that i'll enjoy it for my distance it's cool to watch awesome you want to stand close cool you do that bro but my whole mentality has changed since i had a kid when before i had a kid it was if i get hit whatever i was doing something i love now that's an incredibly selfish mindset for myself anyway that if i get hit And God forbid I'm a fucking vegetable for the rest of my life. My wife gets to try and, you know, wipe my ass and take care of me until the day I die. My kid gets to grow up without a dad. And then what, what does my wife get to say to him and explain it? Oh, your dad was, you know, in a field hauler and lower uh, playing with toy helicopters. And, and now I have to wipe his ass for the next 40 years. Like, no, yeah, <laughs> we're not, we're not doing that. So just play it uh, safe, you know, yeah, fly, in yeah. your, fly in your zone and just just whatever just fly it in a way that makes you feel comfortable exactly you know, don't push it don't push it too hard you know everybody i think has been in those moments where you're going to fly or you're in between packs or just whatever and the that moment is just not fully formed yet you know maybe it's just a little bit foggy and you're going to plug stuff in and you're going to play but you're not you're preoccupied or whatever just take a breather just stop for a sec you know and then go fly yeah so my next question here I feel like the times I've crashed the most are when I'm working on forward or backwards flight in a new orientation. So for me, learning upright backwards flight was when I crashed a lot because I would get crossed up in one direction and the heli would be swinging back towards me and I would correct the wrong way. And, you know, when you're doing figure eights backwards upright, it does not take long for the helicopter to cross the flight line in that situation. Um, So... I made an effort when learning new things like that to do it when the field was near empty. It was either just me at my lunch spot or it was only one other guy and he's a heli guy and understands what's going on. Um, like where, I mean, that's what I do. do. Do you guys feel comfortable trying to practice new stuff around larger groups of people or do you save it for when you're either by yourself or with a small group? I don't really have kind of the same thing. I mean, I, I don't tend to try a bunch of new stuff at events just because if it goes south, there's lots more people there but my biggest thing is i crash when i get complacent when i just start flying it like it's a sim and i don't really care so what you're saying um, is you're complacent all the time <laughs> yeah, sure, crash a lot. sorry no, man. Sorry. i don't know like, <laughs> it, you start to just be super relaxed and you don't care and you just can roast it in too low it's not like it you know you went the stick the wrong direction you just you were shooting for one inch or two inches and you got no inches the only time yeah. i've Oops. seen Oops. you the only time i've really seen you crack stuff where i was like oh man was when you get caught up in the moment 
yeah you're, that's you're, what i mean you're, like, caught up you're, in get, moment, like, you're in getting you're getting jacked up by the by everybody lower and and yeah. you know all the all the uh chanting and everything that you know whatever so it, it, they're yeah. just they're just driving you you know and i want to say you've never seen me crash it from a wrong input you've seen me crash it from being too fast too hard too aggressive yes, too low. yes yes exactly. <laughs> yep yep you push in your luck yep and that's it pushing my luck home stretch and this is a point i really want to drive home uh and this is something if you go to a fun fly and you watch the pros fly crazy aggressively and you watch what happens when they crash the speed with which they hit throttle hold when they crash is like instantaneous. Um, yeah, like blowing a fuse. Yeah. The second a heli either go is inevitably going to go in towards the ground, like you know a crash is coming, hit throttle hold. But most importantly, the flight line, which is this imaginary line between you keeping the helicopter in front of you and everyone behind you, which is typically known as the pits or the setup area, you know, that's a hard line. So it, about three feet in front of you should be this imaginary flight line running the full width from left to right. And if at any time, for any reason, the helicopter crosses that line, you absolutely 1000%, no matter what, should hit throttle hold. I don't care if it's 500 feet up and you think you can save it, but it's drifting over the parking lot. You freaking hit throttle hold. Um, because taking the energy out of those blades will reduce any accident that's about to happen. Yeah, And I think you, you just got to train yourself to do that. And if you're learning on a micro heli, it's great practice because most of those crashes involve zero repairs if you're fast on throttle hold. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes the blades yeah. will already be dead stop by the time you hit the ground. They slow down really quick. Yeah, they do. Okay. Bam. Bam. Did we kill, the, did we kill the safety card or what? I, I think we did. Think I'm we fucking did drowning right. over here in sweat. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's fucking Holy warm. fuck. If, if the listeners don't know, I podcast in my garage, and I am I am about to have a safety violation slipping off of my leather chair onto the floor because this is fucking <laughs> slick now. My shirt sweated through. I got a ring around my neck that's like four inches. It's bad. I'm soaked. You're gonna. <laughs> well, I only oh have short out your stuff. I got two super quick points left, and then we're done. I oh, swear. Good. good. These good are job. fast. Quick pet peeves. If you're filming a helicopter or taking pictures of a helicopter, for fuck's sake, don't be on the wrong side of the helicopter. In no situation should you take a picture such that there's photographer, helicopter, pilot. Like, that's stupid. You stand behind the pilot when you photograph a helicopter. Stop the shit being in the middle of the field. Hate that shit. Number two, don't do dumb crap with RC helicopters. Film it and post it online. Like this guy that like picked up an inverted, still flying inverted Goose Guy S2 helicopter, grabs the skids with his hand and hits throttle hold was the dumbest shit I've ever seen on the internet. So don't do that crap. That's social media for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Hold, hold now on. that's it. That's all I got. Hold my beer. Exactly. Like do stupid shit like scott trying to land on the moving scale helicopter landing platform in an auto that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah risk your equipment not your safety of your film self. that but don't risk your personal safety um all right thanks guys i hope that covered some basics of safety for everybody hope that uh gives some beginners some good ideas about what to do and what not to do um and freaking have fun man know your limits know the helicopter's limits but have fun um all right with that, I think uh, I think we can we can wrap it up. 
So uh, I know Dan is, is sorry he was not able to make it today. If you want to send uh, him a note, you can hit Dan at dan at rchnv3.com. Uh, if you want to send me a note, you can hit me at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com. And Scott, what about you? Uh, you can reach me on Facebook or you can email me at uh, scott at rchnv3.com. All right. And uh, McToon. Oh, you cannot reach me on rchnv3.com. <laughs> so, but Facebook, reach out on Facebook or at the next fun fly. All right. If you want to reach the spawn of McToon, you can hit Devin at Devin at rchnv3.com. <laughs> oh, <I love McToon. laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, Jesus. And Rob, oh, how can we get all uh, of you? Well, Nicholas, uh, so if you want to get a hold of me, what you have to do is you have to get yourself a big fat black Sharpie, a um, four foot by four foot Fresnel lens, a 100 foot uh, slip and slide. Take all that to the street in front of Dan's house, all right? I want you to write your message on your chest and then strip down to your skibbies and slip and slide right in front of his house like Tom Cruise from Risky Business when he comes into the living room, holding the Fresno lens in front of your chest. Just keep doing it over and over and over until he finally you see him in the window, and then he'll hopefully be able to read the message. Uh, after he's done being preoccupied with you uh, in your underwear, sliding back and forth, uh, he'll probably email me like, what the fuck, dude? Um, but uh, if you're afraid, to uh, be outdoors in your underwear or you don't have any clean ones to perform this trick uh, or your Sharpie is still dried out and you're broke because you keep crashing all the time, uh, just email me at rob at rchnv3.com uh, or uh, hit me up on Facebook at uh, nextgenrcfb, Instagram at nextgenrc or youtube.com slash nextgenrc. All right. Damn. Everybody get your cans ready. Yes. 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 Let me know when you're I got, good. I got to shake mine up. Ugh. Okay. <clears throat> All right. With that, this has been episode 48. Thanks everyone for listening. And Sherman, this bud's for you. <sighs> oh God, it's no. pouring everywhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, that was a, a bud candle. <laughs> <laughs> It's been sitting on my desk for 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> it's been cooking. How long have you been wetter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Lovely. God, the sun. 